Hello there, this is Tony Campolo. The name of this show is From Across the Pond. We've given the show that title for a very simple reason. We put it together here in the United States, on the other side of the Atlantic, from where you good folks in the United Kingdom live. Uh, Eastern University is where I teach, and uh, we put this show together uh, at Eastern and at Cabrini College. Uh, Cabrini is across the road from Eastern. Eastern is a highly evangelical school with a strong emphasis on social justice. Cabrini is a Roman Catholic school, very committed to the Roman Catholic faith, and likewise, deeply committed to social justice. So you can see why the two schools get along so well, one Protestant, one Roman Catholic, but both sensing that if you go to the scriptures, particularly to the teachings of Jesus, you will get, in fact, an overall image that Jesus was committed to justice for the poor and the oppressed. Other than uh, giving the words of eternal life, which is a, a dominant theme of Jesus in the scriptures, uh, we come up with this, that he talks about helping poor people more than anything else. We can't focus on poverty and the need for Christians to respond to the poor without becoming committed to social justice. The poor suffer primarily because the system is unjust, and we're committed to correcting those injustices, making the world as it ought to be. Usually Shane Claiborne, a very, very popular speaker on your side of the pond, is my co-host, but Shane has taken the month off. So I'm doing some shows all by myself, and you know what this does? It gives me an opportunity to share my own spiritual convictions with you folks. Uh, we, Shane and I, uh, are the leaders of a movement called Red Letter Christians. Uh, I don't know whether you have followed the Red Letter Christians, but if you go to your computer and log on to redletterchristians.org, you'll find out all about us. We are people who have said the Christian community has not taken the red letters of the Bible as seriously as they should, primarily because the red letters... You know, the old Bibles had the words of Jesus highlighted in red letters. That's where we get our name. Uh, the, when you go to the teachings of Jesus, you find that uh, the life that he calls upon us to live, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, that's in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, those three chapters of the Bible called uh, 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find that he lays out a lifestyle that is very, very hard for Christians to live by. He calls upon us to uh, give to people who are in need. For instance, Shen and I both have a rule that uh, comes from Jesus that bothers me at times even as I live it out. He says, if anybody asks you for money, if any needy person asks you for money, you're to give to that person. Well, that's difficult, isn't it? I mean, stop to think about it. Uh, you uh, you meet some guy on the street who uh, is panhandling, as we call it here on this side of the pond, begging money, uh, a homeless man, a homeless woman comes up and says, hey, uh, can you give me some money for a meal? And you say to yourself, as you look at this person, 
there's a very strong likelihood that if I give this person some money, that money's going to be spent on drugs or booze and not be used to buy food. Uh, you almost have a, a, a strong conviction that that's what's going to happen. But the words of Jesus are clear. You're, you're not to ask people, how are you going to use this money? If that person tells you that he or she has a need, you're, you're to respond. So uh, Shane and I have been doing that. Uh, we don't give a great deal of money because primarily, especially in Shane's case, case we don't have a, a lot of money to give. But uh, we tend to say, okay, here's, here's a couple of dollars. Or if you're on uh, English life, uh, you're going to give maybe a pound and say, here, I, I hope you use this for the right reasons, for the reasons that you say you're going to use it. Um, this is really important. Uh, Jesus says, um, if somebody asks you for money, give it to them. Um, and that's the way it has to be. If, uh, to not ask questions, to not probe, to not ask. Uh, and, and it bothers me sometimes following the words of Jesus in a literal sense. Um, you know, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, uh, you must be ready to sell everything you have and give it to the poor and take up the cross and follow me. I, I give at least 50% of my earnings away to poor people, but I make in so much money over the years that uh, even that uh, it bothers me because I have so much left over after I've given money to the poor. Um, I certainly don't go by uh, the tithe. You know, many preachers... Uh, preach the tithe. Uh, in the Old Testament, it says um, to give one-tenth of your earnings to the poor. Um, give one-tenth to, uh, to those who are in need. And, and it, you know what? It doesn't even exactly say that. What it says in Leviticus and in Exodus is that every year uh, the people of God should come to the holy place, namely the temple in Jerusalem back in the Old Testament days, and bring one-tenth of their earnings, uh, one-tenth of what they earned in the past year, and turn it, over, uh, to the, uh, turn it over to the temple. But it's interesting to see how that money is to be used. It says uh, you're to, uh, the money is to be spent on food, on, uh, on wine and other forms of drink, and uh, there should be a gigantic party once a year. At the Passover, uh, the Jewish people were to come to Jerusalem with one-tenth of their earnings, and one-tenth of what they had earned in the past year was to be spent on this incredible celebration. Imagine all the people of a nation coming together and spending one-tenth of the gross national product of the past year for a, a gigantic celebration. Uh, and there should be singing and dancing and feasting and d drinking. And uh, it's no wonder that uh, the scripture says uh, through the words of the psalmist, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. If the uh, worship service was to be organized around one gigantic celebration that goes on for days with feasting and drinking and dancing and oh my goodness, what a blowout it must have been. Uh, that's how it was to be spent. Uh, that's an interesting thing. I, 
a, uh, I wrote a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. Uh, you can order it um, from our office here uh, at Eastern University. Uh, I think it's out of print there in the United Kingdom. But you can order it by writing to uh, our office, uh, Tony Campolo, Eastern University, uh, 1300 Eagle Road, St. David's, Pennsylvania. Our zip code uh, for postal zip code is 19087. Uh, so write to me, and, and we'll work out a deal to get you a copy of the book. Uh, the kingdom of God is a party, and I give the passages of Scripture that describe what is to be done with the tithe uh, according to uh, the Hebrew Bible. Now, that's interesting because uh, people think that one-tenth was to be spent on the work of God. Not so. Uh, you give one-tenth for this great celebration, and then according to Scriptures— all the rest of the money, the other nine-tenths, is to be spent in accord with what you believe is God's will. I think it's God's will that you feed your family, that you provide for their physical needs, their housing, their clothing, and uh, their medical needs. It, you know, money be spent in that manner. But uh, when you spend money, you're not free to spend it any way you wish you have to be asking yourself about all that you do, and especially the spending of money. If Jesus had this money in hand, how would he use it? On what would he spend it? If he had a, a wife and children, I'm sure he would take care of their needs. But then there's money left over in most instances. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to spend that money as the Lord would have it used? You have to be asking that. When you come to the New Testament, uh, Jesus doesn't so much ask us to tithe. He says this in the 10th chapter of Mark. Uh, look, if you want to be my disciple, you must sell what you have, give to the poor, and take up the cross and follow me. Whoa, is that what it means to be a Christian? Whenever anybody asks me, are you a Christian? I answer that question in a very guarded manner. I say something like, if you are asking me, am I quote-unquote saved? Do I have my salvation assured? Uh, am I uh, confident that if I was to die this moment, or if the second coming of Christ should occur this moment, uh, would I be received into heaven? My answer is yes, I am sure of that. You say, so isn't that a bit arrogant? Uh, have you lived according to the teachings of Jesus? 100%? The answer to that question is no. But here's the good news of the gospel. I'm saved by grace. Do you understand the word grace? The word grace means it's a surprise gift. You don't earn your salvation. It's given to you as a gift. Uh, you do not earn points with God. And if you have enough points, he lets you in or she lets you into heaven without any uh, hesitation. Uh, no, it's not that way at all. What Jesus did on the cross was to take upon himself all the sins that would keep you out of heaven, all the sins that would bar you from eternal life. He takes all of those things upon himself. Uh, by his stripes we are healed, says the, uh, says the scripture. Uh, by his death we are saved. We are, we are delivered from the punishment of sin because 
Jesus took that punishment on the cross. Uh, when he hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, he took upon himself all the sins you have ever committed, all the sins you will ever commit, and make them his own. He brought them upon himself. Uh, that's the salvation story. So I'm saved by grace. I'm quoting from the book of Galatians. I'm saved by grace through faith, not of works. No, it's not anything I earn, lest any person should boast. Nobody's going to be able to say, well, Lord, you're going to have to let me in after all the good things I've done. Certainly I've earned a place in your kingdom. No, 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 no. It's this. You're saved because of what Jesus did for you. When I stand at the judgment seat and the Lord asks a very simple question, why should we invite you to live eternal life in the heavenly kingdom? I will say because all the sins I ever committed that would keep me out were taken upon your son Jesus when he was hanging on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross that guarantees my salvation. Now that we've got that settled, we're saved because of God's gift to us in Jesus Christ on the cross. We can go on to the next question. Are you living a Christian life, Camp Polo? My answer is no. Uh, I'm trying. I, uh, I'm pressing in that direction. The Apostle Paul says exactly the same thing. Go to the uh, third chapter of Philippians, uh, the 13th and 14th verses, where Paul writes, not as though I've already attained, not as though I've already apprehended. That is to say, not as though I've already become the person that I ought to be. But forgetting those things that are behind, the sins of the past, I'm pressing on to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm on my way. I am not yet what I have been called to become, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, every day I'm trying to be more and more the person that Christ wants me to be. And His Spirit empowering me enables me to more and more approximate the good life that Christ has called me to live, to become the person that Christ has called me to be. But I am not arrogant enough to say I'm there. I'm still pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God. In this respect, I'm in the good company of the Apostle Paul. And that's not bad company to keep people. That's not bad company at all. Well, let me take a little bit of a break here and say my name is Tony Campolo. Uh, the name of this show is From Across the Pond. We put it together every week for people in the United Kingdom, but the good news is that we can be had on, uh, on uh, your, uh, your, your computer. Uh, go to redletterchristians.org, check us out. You'll see a little place where you can log on to Across the Pond, which is the name of this show. I'm usually here with Shane Claiborne, but he's taking the month off, so he's left me here to deal with you all by myself. I'm taking this opportunity to share the deep things and the spirit that are part of my life. Uh, so let me just make that clear. Uh, we broadcast from, uh, from Cabrini University, uh, which is across the road from Eastern University, two schools located in St. David's, Pennsylvania. That's a suburb of Philadelphia. So if you get to Philadelphia, be sure to come out and see our campuses. We have two of the most beautiful campuses 
in America. Eastern University has been listed as among the top 10 universities when it comes to being beautiful as a campus. Uh, if, uh, if, if you come, be sure to go and see if you can go up to our astronomical observatory. We have one of the most advanced astronomical observatories in America. We have uh, two uh, Schmidt uh, focus cameras uh, that uh, allow you to see things uh, with the clarity of a, of a, of a hundred-inch telescope. So this is quite a place. It's a high academic school, but it's a school that is committed to social justice. We are deeply evangelical. And you say, well, what's an evangelical? Well, uh, an evangelical is somebody who believes in the doctrines of the Apostles' Creed, holds a high view of Scripture. We believe that the Bible is no ordinary book. It was written by men who were imbued with the Holy Spirit, and what they wrote was under the direction of God. We uh, believe that salvation comes not just by believing the doctrines that you should believe, but entering into a personal transformative relationship with the resurrected Christ. I'm telling all of you out there in the radio audience that Jesus Christ, the one who, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, risen, coming again, as it says in the Apostles' Creed, that this same Christ is spiritually present right there with you where you are. And what Christ wants more than anything is for you to open yourself up and say, here I am, Christ. I invite you to invade my life. Cleanse me of the sins of the past. Purify me. Make me into what you want me to be. To have that personal, transformative relationship with the resurrected Christ is essential for your salvation. And that's what Christ wants you to do today. So wherever you are, if you haven't already done this, if you haven't already invited Christ to be a living presence in your life, why not do it right now? He's there with you. Uh, spiritually, he's right there with you. All you have to do is say, I want you in my life. I want you to come in, and I'm willing to be transformed by you as you invade me and possess me and change me from within. Um, it says in Scripture, Jesus said these words, Anyone who asks will receive. I, behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says. If anyone opens, I will come in and dwell with that person. Uh, let me just say, no one who ever asks will uh, experience anything but the reception of Christ. He's just waiting for you to say, here I am. You say, but there's so much sin in your life. Indeed, there is sin in your life, and there's sin in my life. But here's what it says in the scriptures. In 1 John, the first chapter, the ninth verse, it says this, if you will confess that, if you will confess your sinfulness to Christ, if you will confess your sins, he will forgive you. That's part of it. But listen to what the rest of that verse says. And he will cleanse you. He will not only forgive you, but he will cleanse you. He will cleanse you. And, and, and when you stand before him on judgment day, uh, you will stand before him spotless, says the scriptures. Go to the book of Jude. That's what it says. He will present you to the heavenly father faultless if you surrender and allow him to cleanse you right here and right now. Which raises the next question. 
what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, the thing that uh, I want to affirm loud and clear is that I have a lot of Pentecostal friends, as well I might, because Pentecostalism, people who have become part of what we call the charismatic movement, uh, this is a group of people in Christendom that is growing at leaps and bounds. The Pentecostal movement, which started in the early part of the 20th century, now has at least uh, 80 million people who call themselves either charismatic or Pentecostal, and there's no real difference between the two. To be Pentecostal, to be charismatic, means that you not only believe that there's a third member of the Trinity, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but that third member of the Trinity has, has invaded you and possessed you and, and, and has begun the transformative process that I've been talking about. Now, uh, there are those who say um, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you is that you are able to pray in tongues. There's a big difference between praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. Uh, praying in tongues is something I do. I've never, so far as I know, spoken in tongues. You say, what's the difference? In the 8th chapter of Romans, you will read that, uh, that when we pray... We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit enters into us and we pray with utterances that cannot be put into the language of our society. Uh, so when I pray in tongues, uh, there are sounds uh, that, groanings, it says. I'm, I'm quoting from the scriptures in the 8th chapter of Rome. Groanings that cannot be put into the language of uh, your, uh, your culture. Um, I, I have compared my praying in tongues to what country and Western singers call yodeling. Uh, they make sounds that express the joy and the happiness and the excitement of God. Uh, and you, if you listen to some country and Western person yodeling, you're going to say, that doesn't make any sense. No, it's not supposed to make any sense. It's supposed to be an expression of joy. When I pray in tongues, I am adoring Jesus. These emotions that I have as I, as I reach out to, to the Lord in prayer are so deep that the language of my society will not give a fair expression to them. Uh, did you ever come to a point where you feel such happiness, such joy, such excitement that you can't put it into words? Well, praying in tongues is that. It's making utterance, as the scripture says in the 8th chapter of Romans, with groanings, with moans and sounds. And, 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 and there it is. Uh, you groan before the Lord. Speaking in tongues is another thing. Sometimes when you're in a church service, somebody will stand up and start speaking in tongues with an unknown language. And that person ought to be quiet unless because I'm quoting from Scripture here, I'm quoting from the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, unless there is somebody present who is able to say, after you've finished your message from God, able to say, I'm going to translate and tell you what our brother or our sister just said. And that message is communicated uh, through the translator. If there is no translator present, says the Apostle Paul, then that person should be silent. Because that person uh, who's, who's got a message from God uh, is, um, is basically 
uh, just making a lot of sounds that will leave people confused. There has to be a translator. But there's a difference between praying in tongues in which you are expressing the joy and the adoration and the gratefulness to God that you can't, is so deep that you can't put, a, put the things you're trying to say into the language of your society. That's one thing. It's quite another to have a message from God for the congregation, in which case there has to be a translator present. Well, folks, there's a difference between being uh, someone who prays in the Spirit with groanings that cannot be uttered and being somebody who, in fact, um, is basically uh, uh, got a message from God and speaking in tongues. So there has to be that differentiation. Well, I want you to listen next week because uh, I'm going to pick up more about the Holy Spirit and what I feel uh, happens when somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit and more important, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you come back next week and I'll pick up on this theme. In the meantime, let me tell you this. I'm Tony Campolo. The name of this show is From Across the Pond. We put it together every week at this time because we're we're trying to uh, share some insights in theology and social justice that have come to us. We haven't talked much about social justice, but that's for next week. So tune in again. In the meantime, know that uh, uh, we are promoting red-letter Christianity. I want you to go to your uh, website and log on to redletter Christianity, uh, redletterchristians.org, and sign on and become part of this community of faith. Thanks for listening. This is Tony Campolo wishing God's blessings upon you.